step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Amen, amen. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the fourth Saturday of November, November 27, 2021. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners and guests, Thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator, Sister Helena Thompson, Minister of Music. Today, Sister Sharon Taylor will offer the altar prayer. And our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black, will deliver the preached word. Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship, and I, Carolyn Cunningham, and your worship leader. The invitation to discipleship, yes, will be offered uh, by Sister Greta Ayers. Excuse me. Our pastor, Reverend Millicent, will offer final remarks and the benediction. The scripture today is selected uh, from the liturgy because of the Advent season, which starts tomorrow. Tomorrow is the first Sunday of Advent. The first scripture selected today is taken from Psalm 25, verses 1 through 9. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. My God, I put my trust in you. Let me not be humiliated, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Let none who look to you be put to shame. Let the treacherous be disappointed in their schemes. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. In you have I trusted all the day long. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and love, for they are far from Everlasting, remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions. Remember me according to your love and for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Gracious and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in his way. 
He guides the humble in doing right, and he teaches his way to the lowly. All the paths of the Lord are love and faithfulness. Those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. And I am sorry that I forgot the rest of the call to worship. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayers for refuge from the Storm Church members, the Worldwide Church, our families and friends, TIs Worldwide, and advocacy and activist groups. Pray for the loved ones of those who have died from the coronavirus. Pray for the overtaxed medical professionals during this time of dire need. Pray that all government officials be moved by the Holy Spirit to do the will of God. Pray for all victims of the climate crisis around the world. Pray for all refugees, particularly the Haitians who are fleeing multiple crises from the earthquake to political upheaval and extreme violence. Thank you for your attention. Now the opening praise, and now we will pray, play the opening praise and worship song. After that, I will lead you through the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there is any background noise where you are by pressing star six. Amen, amen, and amen. Good afternoon to everyone who is with us today. We are so thankful to be here on this another day that the Lord has made. And we are rejoicing and we are glad in it, boy, there's so many telltale signs that there has to be a God and that this is the day that he has made is just one more of them. I certainly want to thank each of you for your presence here today. And I must voice my appreciation to the ministry team for all that you do to help bring these services to Zoom and to talk shoe each week. I offer a special thank you and a great big God bless to each of you. To the members and friends, please accept my sincere appreciation for your cards, your calls, and gifts during Pastor Clergy Appreciation Month. The services and all of your kind words made me feel loved and encouraged. Thank you again. Now we look forward to celebrating our support staff during the month of December. I hope that you will express your appreciation to them for the services they render to us throughout the year. Sister Sharon Taylor is our church administrative assistant. Sister Cheryl Miller Harvey is our webmaster and Christian education director. And brother Bob Pierce is our Zoom and talk shoe manager. And Sister Helena Thompson, I'll just put her back in because she certainly gives us support as our worship minister. They all do a stellar job in service to the TI community and will be celebrated on the third Saturday in December. Thank you, Sister Helena, for putting up the uh, candle, the purple candle that represents the first Sunday of Advent. 
I was born on a Sunday in November and I thought I'd look back and see, could it, might, just might it have been an Advent Sunday? And it was. My birthday is on Monday, the 29th of this month. And, and that turned out in, in 1953, y'all don't be trying to count and add up my age, please, was actually the first Sunday of Advent. So I feel all the more special. I want to emphasize to our waiting congregation that it may be necessary to mute your line to maintain the reverence of the service. We encourage you to mute yourself until such time that is appropriate for you to speak. To God be the glory that though we live all across the United States, from California to Connecticut, Washington State to Maryland, to Tennessee, to North Carolina and Delaware to Georgia, we are all working together by God's grace through a conference call. God truly gives us, first of all, love for him and love for one another so that we can have the enthusiasm and the strength that we need to work together, that these services may give God glory. As we turn to our scripture for today on this, the first, we're just counting it as the first weekend of Advent. Um, our scripture is Acts 17, verses 15 through 28. Uh, actually, it's 15 through 29. And I will be reading verses 22 through 29. So if you'll go back during your time of, of uh, prayer and meditation and read back over Acts 17, 15 through 28, I think you'll be enlightened. You'll be blessed if you read the entire chapter. And I just floored that it just fits in with today and where we're headed in the, in the next month. Verse 22 starts, Paul stood in the middle of the court and said, this is from the God's word translation. Men of Athens, I see that you are very religious. As I was going through your city and looking closely at the objects you worship, I noticed an altar with this written on it to the unknown God. I'm telling you about the unknown God you worship. The God who made the universe and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Notice Paul was setting them straight. He's not unknown, but they just didn't know him. He doesn't live in shrines made by humans and he isn't served by humans as if he needed anything. He gives everyone life, breath, and everything they have. From one blood, he has made every nation of humanity to live all over the earth. He has given them the seasons of the year and the boundaries within which to live. He has done this so that they would look for God, somehow reach for him and find him. In fact, he is never far from any one of us. Certainly we live, move, and exist because of him. As some of your poets have said, we are God's children. So if we are God's children, we shouldn't think that the divine being is like an image made from gold, silver, or stone. An image that is the product of human imagination and skill. I'm going to read 29 again. So if we are God's children, 
We shouldn't think that the divine being is like an image made from gold, silver, or stone, an image that is the product of human imagination and skill. Let us pray. Lord of heaven and earth, God of your people, we come to you today, God, thanking you for this, the beginning of another Advent season, God, a time in which we turn our attention towards the celebration of the first coming of the Son of God. And Lord, no matter what the day is, we have now our eyes focused on the second coming of Jesus our Christ. So Lord, as we press into you today, God, as we come to you like little birds opening their mouths to their mother who's just brought the food, we ask you, God, to feed us. Don't just feed us, God, but fill us till we want no more. Give us, oh God, I pray the true meaning of these scriptures, God. Help us to see clearly, Lord, you and every one of them, and not just you, oh God, but what you have prepared for us, your children, because you love us. Thank you, Lord, in advance for blessing us, oh God, with the seed of the word that we'll produce, a harvest, oh God, for your glory. Now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight for you and only you, God. You and only you are my strength and my redeemer in Jesus' name. Now, the, the title of the message is The Mystery of the Blood. You'll remember that starting in the month of September, I started uh, what I was calling a series on mysteries of the, of the Bible. And I just kind of got backed into this one but I believe God would have us to know more about today, the mystery of the blood. <clears throat> have you ever arrived at a destination and were taken aback by the sights that you were seeing? You know, sometimes you might go, I remember going on a cruise to the Bahamas and on the, on the uh, brochures, all you see is the, the pretty water and the restaurants and the sites and tourist attractions. And I, when we got there, we were told that they deliberately tried to keep the tourists away from the poor section. For in the poor section, people don't look so clean and they don't live so well and they aren't so well fed. And I thought about that. And if the original Indian settlers were to tour America today, y'all think about that. If the original Indian settlers were to tour America today, they would surely be surprised by the many buildings that are so unfamiliar to their remembrance. From a spiritual sense though, I'm sure there were not the elaborate buildings that we now have the religious diversity sites did not exist in these United States. As the tour begins, the Native Americans might be surprised to see the Islamic center 
of America in Dearborn, Michigan, or the Buddhist temple in Hacienda Heights, California. Then there is the Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses that can be found in almost every city of this nation. The Muslims in America have the Mother Mosque of America in the state of Iowa. As the tour continues, they would see one of the largest Jewish temples in the world as they pass through New York City. They might even be surprised to see the Mormon tabernacle in Salt Lake City, Utah. There is a famous shrine in West Virginia that is devoted to a higher Krishna movement that is also part of the Hindu religion. I was most shocked to hear of the Temple of Satan located in Detroit, Michigan. And representing Greek deities is the Parthenon, which houses the Greek goddess Athena right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Of interest, I found that the US Air Force Academy Cadet Chapel in Colorado Springs has a 150 foot tall aluminum glass and steel structure that houses chapels for Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, and Buddhist worship. Plus what is called all faiths room used by the Muslim cadets. There was only one army that God was concerned about in first century Christendom, and it did not have to worry about a place for all faiths to worship. In fact, God would have refused any suggestion that we would have any other God besides him. Much is told of Saul's conversion experience as we look at the scripture today. I love the testimony that Paul gave to King Agrippa when the king was almost persuaded, almost persuaded to become a Christian. Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin and he was born into a prominent family who lived in Rome. Saul was sent to Jerusalem to attend Bible school and he was schooled in the law. Saul was persecuting the Christians when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Now the apostle Paul, who he became after his conversion experience, after having heard a voice and seen a light, after having been blind for three days and being told to go to visit a man who would tell him what he, Paul himself, would suffer for the gospel's sake. Paul is gone throughout that east area of Asia Minor and arrives at Athens, Greece. Now he comes to Athens for asylum from the gangs who wanted to attack him for preaching about Jesus, his resurrection and the promise of eternal life that was offered by God himself. You know what happens to us when we become Christians, we get so excited about the Lord and excited about the word and excited about our salvation. And we just wanna tell somebody well, Paul knew that his assignment was to tell everybody about Jesus and to convince them to come over to the Christian faith. So before Athens, Paul had been run out of Thessalonica and into Berea and it wasn't long before Berea and the Bereans were running him out and 
So his friends thought that in order to help him, they got him over to Athens for safety. Athens was the center of everything. It was the largest and most influential of the Greek cities. It was named after Athena, the goddess of wisdom and warfare. Y'all hear that? Wisdom and warfare. Athens was involved in many wars and was also known as the center of learning. The Parthenon that is located in Athens is a temple that is dedicated to the goddess Athena and it is made of marble. The most important buildings in Athens sit on a hill in the center of Athens that's called the Acropolis. Time does not allow me to go into more about this city, but even today it is still a major world attraction. The pericope for today starts with Paul arriving in Athens. As he entered the city, he began to look around in disbelief for what he saw and it angered him, the very implication of what he saw. This city was dedicated to idols. There were idols made of silver, of gold and of wood, much like all of those temples and shrines that I just described that are now located in the United States. I can assure you they were not here when the Indians were here first, first began to settle. They were not here when Columbus found America. I can tell you for a certainty, they were not here when the first British settlers came to the United States, oh, nor were they here when the 13 colonies were formed. Y'all, they were not here when the declaration of, of, of well, of independence was signed. And I can assure you that they weren't here when, when uh, President Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address. But today we live in America, surrounded by temples and shrines and mosques and buildings that are dedicated to gods that are not ours. Then Paul saw the high place that was dedicated to the United to the unknown God in case they left out one. That's what I could see in my own mind's eye, just in case we forgot a God and we don't want to make him angry. So we'll just name it the shrine or the altar to the unknown God. I could see this might have been an et cetera, you know, in a sentence when you're listing items and there were more items than you want to name, you'll put that comma, et cetera. I think that's almost what I thought about also when I thought about a shrine or a altar to an unknown God. Paul was offended because there was no recognition given to the creator God. The real God was not given any credit for their lies, their riches or their intelligence. Athens was known for their great philosophers. Did they think they got their smarts from gold, silver, and wooden idols? Paul, following his command from Jesus himself, went about his job of sharing the gospel that this city might be converted to Christianity. 
Paul found his way to the synagogue to talk to the Jews and the Gentile Christians about the miracle of the resurrection. Paul continued his evangelism in the marketplace where he talked about God and Jesus Christ. Paul was giving all of himself to the love of God and to the spreading of the good news that the Messiah has come. How important it is for us to be about our assignment from heaven. I was so amazed when God showed me that though he is aware of what's happening to me and to us in this era of, of age, of the age, we still are to be about his business. We still are to be following the call that God has placed on our lives. We cannot just sit down and say, but God, they won't let me. And I did at one point, but then another time I came back and I said, God, show me how to do what you want me to do. And he began to show me just simple things, sending cards, goodwill cards, and thinking of you cards to people who might need the encouragement. Making a phone call to someone who can't get out. Simple things. But no matter what the task, God is expecting us to be about his business. How important is it for us to be about our assignment from heaven? Well, where do we go for the express purpose of sharing the good news about Jesus? Do we go to the grocery store and ever mention Jesus? Or just a quick, how are you? Keep walking. Sometimes when we're at the gas pump and others pass by, do you ever think to ask anybody, do they know Jesus? Now, during this Christmas season, you all, and, and notice we're starting at the first Advent, we're going to have for the next four weeks opportunities to tell people how excited we are about the season that prepares us to be thankful for the coming of Jesus Christ the first time. And then we can just use that conversation to go on into our, our, our next exciting moment, and that's thinking about his second coming. Do you realize that he's almost ready to come again? Do you know him? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? So many ways now during this holiday season and I'm challenging myself to share why we're excited about the season. It's not about the drudgery of going to the department stores and standing in the lines. It's not about trying to find a parking place in the, in the uh, parking lot at the grocery store or some other store that's usually full of more people than we want to be bothered with. It is not about going and making those special purchases of gift cards and, and even getting the right amount of money out of the bank with the proper little envelopes that'll hold it so that we can give it at Christmas morning. It is not about the Christmas tree, the Christmas lights, the reef on the door. It is about Jesus. The one who was on his way to earth through the blood because every baby born into the earth has to come through the blood. But it's also about the one man who walked among sinners, made disciples, performed miracles, and ended his time on earth on a cross in a tomb and then rising from the dead to ascend into heaven to live forever. None of the idols of Athens had done any of this, nor could they ever. 
yet men revered them and treated them as special. Now, after sharing his observations about the lifeless idols, Paul began to talk about a God who to him was not unknown. In fact, Paul knew God very well. Paul began to share about the God who had created all things, those in heaven and those on earth. He must have heard David declare that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Or perhaps he ha had told them about God who himself had declared to Haggai that the silver and the gold belonged to him. And so did the cattle on a thousand hills. So whichever religion it was that worships the cow, even that belongs to God. The, the silver and the gold that the idols were made out of, y'all, it all belonged to God. God stated, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Guess what? Even the idols that stood on the altars around the city of Athens, Greece, belong to God. Why? Because his materials made them. If he did all of this, what did the idols do? Why were people worshiping them? Then Paul got to the power of the blood. Paul told the Greeks that they did not have to think more highly of themselves than they ought because God made all men from one blood. It was God who gave life to every creature and they all needed blood to live. God gave Moses instructions on the significance of the blood in the book of Leviticus. He stated that the life of every creature is in its blood. The blood sacrifice was instituted by God to make atonement. Israel was instructed that the blood of every animal was to be offered to God on the altar because it represented life. God was clear that it is the blood that makes atonement for man's life. It was the blood of a guiltless substitute that served as payment for the sins of Israel. Romans tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Consequently, there is not a human alive that could cover for the sins of another. Jesus' blood could not be accepted for our atonement until after he gave up the ghost on Calvary. Y'all, I was floored. I was floored as I thought about that. And my heart was really full as I thought about that. It had to be the blood of a dead animal that was offered to God on the altar. But because man couldn't stay out of trouble, God allowed the sin that Adam committed in the garden, one man to carry all the way over to Jesus so that one man's blood by one man's sin would cover for the sin of the world. When Jesus began to give hints of this, of his departure, he knew that the disciples could not understand the significance of these statements. Paul wasn't at the last supper when Jesus told the disciples the importance of remembering the power of the blood, but he became an offering for the very benefits that you and I experience today. He being Jesus, 
So I've just mentioned the, the need that was presented by Adam and Eve when they, they sinned in the garden and there was a need for repentance. Repentance brought the first act of forgiveness. God made the first blood sacrifice to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. And it didn't just cover their sins, but it also covered their bodies. Other times a blood sacrifice was needed. One other important time for us was the covenant with Abraham. Here we found righteousness, first repentance, then righteousness. Abraham's act of obedience, of obedient faith caused God to award Abraham righteousness without a sacrifice of his son. It was just a foreshadow of what was to come. But by the sacrifice of a ram, Abraham's actions were counted unto him as righteousness. Today, our only hope for righteousness is through the blood of the lamb, the lamb who had to be the son of God. And then came Jesus, the spotless lamb, who brought us reconciliation. So we went from repentance to righteousness and now to reconciliation. Jesus acted in obedience by becoming the spotless, that is without spot or blemish in his character or his actions, the spotless lamb. The word says, who was slain before the foundation of the world, brought reconciliation between man and God. Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Let that sink in. It was already decided, just like yours and my path had already been decided by God before the foundation of the world. God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and had appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Can you see how he already knew what Jesus's path would be in the earth? The shedding of Jesus's blood was for redemption. And Jesus's life in exchange for the sins of mankind was for eternity. Redemption brought us into a state of reconciliation with God. It made him available to us at any time of the day or night. It meant we could go straight before him into prayer ourselves. We didn't have to wait a year and we didn't have to wait a year for someone else to go in. We could go straight in to the Holy of Holies, make our petitions and know that God would hear us. So verse 27 told, in verse 27, Paul told the, the Athenians, he has done, and that is God has used blood so that they would look for God. So that those who, whose, whose blood of his ran through their veins would look for him, somehow reach for him and find him. We were told year when, as children that God put a, a little bit of himself in us so that we would always long for him and that nobody else could fill the place in us that God has reserved for himself. But when I was studying this scripture today and, and over the last week and a half, I came to realize that God is all in us. It's his blood. And when we study, and next week I'll be continuing this part about the blood, because when we look at the path that the blood takes through our bodies, 
from our head to our toe, the arteries, the veins, the capillaries, the aorta, the heart that pumps to all of those avenues or branches into our body and the, the plan of God to keep each part alive. It's nothing but miraculous in and of itself. And so it takes blood for us to live. And it took the blood of, of a son after his death for us to live forever. Consequently, we can expect to never die. So it's the blood that brings a person into the family of God or into the family, whether it's the biological family or the family of God. The genetics of both parents determine the blood of a child. In the family of God, the blood of the son determines who the father is. Listen, the blood of the son, the, the, the capital T, capital S, determines who the father is. So when we people hear that God is our father or that Jesus is our, is our brother, people automatically know who our father is. By the same token, when people hear that the enemy is the father, that also tells the people whose family they're in, doesn't it? So the songwriter said, as did First John, some through the fire, some through the flood, some through hard trials, but all through the blood. We can only enter into the family of God through the blood of Jesus. It's by accepting the blood sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary that we come into the family of God. The blood redeems us. It buys us back when we sold ourselves into sin's enslavement. It cleanses us when, like the prodigal son, we find ourselves having wallowed in the slop with the pigs. The blood heals us from the diseases that sin causes. Even in the natural, the blood rushes to the place where the wound is in our bodies. And the blood refuses to let us die when sin demands our death. Paul implored the Athenians to accept God's offer to of relationship by accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why everywhere Paul went in Athens, he was talking about Jesus. He was telling the people about what had happened at the cross. He didn't never leave out the fact that he rose again. He didn't stay dead. No other man, though there were others that Jesus rose, from the dead. And even Peter, we are told, was, um, was able to raise his mother-in-law. But what we do know is that they all died again. And we know that Jesus has never died. In fact, he arose as a living, I mean, he ascended into heaven as a living man. And he said, this, we were told that the same way he left, he'll be coming back again. So relationship with God means an up close and personal relationship. No longer is a priest or prophet needed to gain access into the Holy of Holies. You don't have to come to the temple or the synagogue to visit with God. The songwriter tells us, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share, that's from relationship. As we tarry there, that's whether we're in the kitchen, the bathroom, 
the car, if you have a prayer room or a closet, in the grocery store or the parking lot of the grocery store. Sometimes I get caught up with a song and I just sit in the parking lot until it finishes. None other has ever known. Nobody will ever understand what would make me sit in the parking lot of a car and listen to a worship song except one of you. Those of you who love God like I do, those of you who have tried him and found him that he is true to his word and can be trusted, those of you who have met him in the midnight hours of your life, or sometimes as the clock struck midnight, or even at noon in the day, and for those of us who are the early risers at five or six or seven in the morning, you'll understand why I would tarry in a place with the Savior and the master God. So God came in through the person of the Holy Spirit and makes his home in our hearts. But more than that, God comes in through the blood. He comes in through the blood that pumps through our bodies, that gives us life. Without him, we could have no life because there's no life except we have blood. And that's what Paul needed the Athenians to understand about those idols. They had no blood, they had no flesh, they had no life because they were not gods. They were not God. They were, they were in the mind, mind of the people, idols, something to look up to, something that they could see to make them feel like this is why I'm rich and this is why I have all of this intelligence and this is why we have the land and how we win the wars and what makes the crops big. But Paul was there to tell them, mm -mm. if you have to move them from point A to point B, that's not how you got any of it. Because the God we serve makes you live and you have everything he's given to you. So if Paul were living today, he would join us in singing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. On this first day of the Advent season, what we are celebrating, we can proclaim with the songwriter, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, no idol. No gold, no silver, no wooden altar, nothing but the blood of Jesus. God bless you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.